Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. My name is Jason Sacco and I'm your host. As a 35 plus year spondy, I'm looking to use this show to bring the spondy community closer. I'll give my lifelong battle with AS to you. That includes triumphs, tragedies, and lessons. So sit back, enjoy, and know you are not alone. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. How's everybody doing? Here in the Northern Hemisphere, I'm in North America, we're having summer, the heat's going and man, it feels really, really nice. I know for you in the Southern Hemisphere, the the winter is kicked in, so in areas like Australia and so forth, you're getting a more cooler temperatures, so I hope that's nice. I hope you guys had a great summer. And overall, you know, I hope it helps with all of the arthritis as all the issues that everybody's dealing with. Well, in today's episode, I wanted to delve into a subject that I think um, might be of interest to a lot of people. When I look at the boards on Facebook quite a bit, I see people that say, I know I have ankylosing spondylitis. I know I've got it, but my rheumatologist won't give me a diagnosis. I have all the pain. I have all the, you know, the, the symptoms, but he or she just won't tell me I have ankylosing spondylitis. Why is that? It's frustrating. It's delaying stuff. Well, I'm, I'm going to switch it around a little bit and say that not all cases, but maybe your rheumatologist is not wrong. Maybe you don't have ankylosing spondylitis, but maybe you're dealing with non-radiographic axial spondylar arthritis. Wow. Say that multiple times real fast. Well, what is it and how is it treated? And that's what I want to cover today because, you know, it might be that for some, when you go at your doctor saying, I have ankylosing spondylitis, I have ankylosing spondylitis, why won't you diagnose me? They're thinking and only trying to look at, maybe not correctly, but they might only be looking at the ankylosing spondylitis as the possible outcome. And when the pieces don't fit, even though most of the pieces of the puzzle are there. There's maybe a couple very key pieces that are missing. You walk away frustrated because you think that I've got this ankylosing spondylitis and the doctor's just not listening to me and not validating what I feel. Well, that's where this term that I've covered in several episodes recently, axial spondylar arthritis comes in. That's that umbrella term that covers non-radiographic axial spondylar arthritis and ankylosing spondylitis. Well, what's the benefit of me knowing about the difference? And let's, let's deal with that because I think it's really important. When you think of inflammatory arthritis like rheumatoid arthritis, you know, you often think of it as affecting small joints, the hands and the feet. Those are usually the first two I think of when I think of rheumatoid arthritis. Non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis is a different kind of inflammatory arthritis. It falls under an umbrella category that I just mentioned, the axial spondyloarthritis. Well, non-radiographic is a type of inflammatory arthritis that causes lower back pain among other symptoms. There's your exact same symptom that you might encounter with ankylosing spondylitis that lower back pain, that hip pain, the sacroiliac joint pain, you you know, all that can fall into both of these. Non-radiographic means that there are symptoms, but no visible damage on the x-rays. That's the big key takeaway right there is your rheumatologist could be looking at your x-rays and I don't see any damage. You know, maybe you have fibro or, and they go off on a tangent because they're not thinking non-radiographic. And that's where you as the patient have to kind of work backwards with the doctor and maybe walk them and say, well, if you're saying I don't have ankylosing spondylitis, is non-radiographic a possibility? So that's one thing you can start off with. You know, MRIs can help diagnose non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, but sometimes they too can be negative, and that can really, really throw a diagnosis off. And that's what can make this so challenging and so long 
for unfortunately for some people to diagnose. The good news is, though, that there are treatments that are transitioning from the ankylosing spondylitis side of the house over to the non-radiographic, and they're being approved to help in the biologic side. When we think of the rheumatoid arthritis, we think of it affecting hands, feet, things of that nature. With non-radiographic axial spondylar arthritis, it falls under an umbrella category of diseases called spondyloarthritis, which includes different types of arthritis with one distinguishing feature. There's almost always inflammation in the spine. Back pain is the hallmark of the non-radiographic axial spinal arthritis, which sets it apart from any other type of inflammatory arthritis, says Dr. Malik, who's a rheumatologist at New York University Langone's Psoriatic Arthritis Center. Non-radiographic means the disease causes symptoms, but there's no visible damage on x-rays the way there is with related type of inflammatory arthritis called ankylosing spondylitis. Axial refers to the joints that the disease primarily affects, the spine, the chest, and the hip bone. Spondylar arthritis is a family of inflammatory arthritis that affects the joints and, and entities, which are tissues between the bones, the ligaments, and the tendons. What are some of the symptoms of non-radiographic axial spondylar arthritis? To differentiate non-radiographic from any other kinds of back pain, there are a few telltale uh, signs based on when the pain occurs, how long it lasts, and the age at which it first strikes, and what makes it feel better. Timing of the pain. Back pain and non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis can wake you up in the middle of the night and hurt in the morning. You may feel morning stiffness that makes it hard to get out of bed and get moving. Rest versus exercise. Mechanical back pain, such as from a strain or a slipped disc, tends to feel better when you're resting or not exerting yourself. Uh, inflammatory back pain from non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, on the other hand, often feels better when you move around. You know, that move it or lose it, exercise or stretch, all of that is good. The other thing is age of onset. Non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis symptoms often first strike in late adolescence or early adulthood, often uh, before the age of 40. Enthesitis is inflammation of the enthesis, where bone attaches to a tendon or ligament, is another factor that sets spondyloarthritis like non-radiographic apart from other types of arthritis. As the disease progresses from non-radiographic to later ankylosing spondylitis stages, enthesitis can cause the spinal bones to fuse together and make patients lose mobility. Because the pain comes from inflammation from the immune problems rather than mechanical wear and tear of the joints, other body parts can hurt too, especially the knees and the heels. Inflammation from non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis can also cause other symptoms that go beyond the joints. Psoriatic arthritis and enteropathic, which is inflammatory bowel disease related, arthritis fall under the spondyloarthritis umbrella and tend to overlap with non-radiographic. And I see many of you post that, well, I have this or I have that. That ties back into the non-radiographic if you're not seeing the damage on MRIs or x-rays. And then you're telling your doctor, I know I have AS. The doctor's saying, no, you don't. It's a communication gap. We need to get on the same page and use the right terminology to help guide our doctors to where we think we're at. So about 15% of non-radiographic patients experience uveitis, which is another big one, which is eye inflammation that can cause redness, pain, and blurred vision. And I've done several episodes about that that will be linked in the show notes. Other patients might experience, they're called sausage digits, you know, where the fingers or toes swell up from inflammation. So what are some causes of non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis? Well, obviously, many people have never heard of the phrase non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. So it's not surprising 
that people often chalk up, you know, the back pain and the other symptoms to other types of health issues, sprained, I did too much, you know, whatever they, whatever they decide, usually mechanical causes, strains, sprains, you know, slip discs. Um, but axial spondyloarthritis tends to take a long time to be diagnosed. That's because the x-rays, the MRIs, that can all show negative. So you're still having the pain, you're still having the symptoms, but you're not able to get diagnosed. And that's why I see some of these long diagnosis times, I believe. Axial spondyloarthritis tends to take a long time to be diagnosed. It's an average of seven years between first symptoms and diagnosis, according to research presented in 2018. And it can take years for inflammation to do visible damage, which makes it hard for doctors to pinpoint the cause. Rather than being due to mechanical problems in your back, non-radiographic often occurs because of chronic inflammation. The non-radiographic is a cross between like an auto-inflammatory and autoimmune condition. The immune system gets confused, thinks the body is being attacked. As the body produces inflammation to protect against the non-existent attacker, Healthy tissue is damaged in the process. Doctors aren't sure exactly, you know, what causes the immune system to act this way uh, with non-radiographic, though there seems to be a genetic component. Uh, for example, the gene variant HLA-B27 is common in people with spondyloarthritis. You know, research as it develops may turn up other genes, but, you know, there's that common thread. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're negative on HLA-B27 and you're negative on your x-rays and you're negative on an MRI that you don't have non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. Just means more digging has to be done, more looking at the overall lifestyle of what you're encountering. And that's why I say it's very, very important. If you think you have something wrong, start a journal. Going into the doctor and telling them how you feel that day or how you felt in the last week or two doesn't say a whole lot. Start a journal. Figure out week after week what you're doing, what you're dealing with check things with your diet, remove foods and see how you feel, add things in and see how you feel. And, you know, just keep tweaking with it because all that information is going to help that doctor diagnose that non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis if that's what you're dealing with. So then we get to the difference between non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, ankylosing spondylitis which is what a lot of people jump to the conclusion and say, here's what I got. They get upset when their doctor tells them, no, you don't have ankylosing spondylitis. And they start checking off, I have this symptom, I have this symptom, I have this symptom. And the doctor, you know, that, that I think creates some of the confusion. So non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis is generally thought of as an early stage of ankylosing spondylitis, another type of spondyloarthritis. The main difference between the two is that AS involves bone damage that can be seen on x-rays. Non-radiographic does not because the disease hasn't progressed far enough yet. Spondyloarthritis starts in the joints before affecting the bones, but x-rays can't capture the early damage, says rheumatologist Hilary Norton, medical director of Santa Fe Rheumatology. Instead, rheumatologists often use MRIs to spot swelling in the softer tissue. Traditionally, to be diagnosed with AS, one would need to have an x-ray changes, which could take 10 years from symptom onset to develop, says Dr. Norton, who herself has ankylosing spondylitis. The CT and the x-ray show bone damage after the inflammation has caused damage, but the MRI shows active inflammation. Still, MRIs aren't perfect either. Some patients will show swelling that isn't related to axial spondyloarthritis. Others have no swelling, do seem to have the disease. In the latter case, patients who are monitored and sometimes take another MRI at a later date, says Dr. Norton. Research shows that it could take more than a year for MRIs to show visible swelling, 
So doctors look at the rest of the clinical picture, including symptoms, history, and genetic presence, like having the HLA-B27 gene. As the damage progresses, you know, spondyloarthritis can move along the spectrum from non-radiographic to radiographic, though it might never progress there at all. Over 2 to 10 years, about 10 to 40% of patients with non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis will develop ankylosing spondylitis, according to a study that was in the Expert Review of Clinical Immunology. Symptoms don't change much from later stage non-radiographic to early stage ankylosing spondylitis. Though as AS gets worse, the backbones can fuse together and make patients lose spine mobility, says Dr. Malik. So how is non-radiographic diagnosed? There's no single definitive test that can clinch a non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis diagnosis. So rheumatologists look at a combination of clinical symptoms, blood testing, and imaging. And that's why I say it's important for you to do as much of the work as possible in documenting your conditions on a day-by-day basis for the doctor. Doctors might order blood tests that measure inflammation in the body, such as C-reactive proteins and entheocrite sedimentary rates. These tests can pinpoint where in the body the inflammation is occurring, though. So rheumatologists need to take results in context of the whole clinical picture. They should also do a blood test for the HLA-B27 gene, which is found in about 83% of people with axial spondyloarthritis, according to a study that was done. But again, this test alone can't confirm a diagnosis because about 98% of people who carry the gene will never develop spondyloarthritis. And the HLA-B27 gene is less prevalent in certain groups of people with axial spondyloarthritis, such as African Americans. In most cases, doctors will also use an MRI to help confirm a diagnosis of non-radiographic, because MRIs can catch inflammation of the sacroiliac joint of the pelvis before the disease progresses enough to see bone fusion in the x-ray. But you can still have non-radiographic, even if the MRI isn't positive, and doctors may start treatment. If a physician's clinical suspicion is very high, given symptoms and other clinical characteristics, for example, the patient meets the assessment of spondyloarthritis International Society clinical criteria, or simply does not have an alternative explanation for symptoms, we do offer a trial of NSAIDs, physical therapy, etc., says Dr. Malik. And finally, how is non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis treated? Well, at this point, treatment for non-radiographic is focused on addressing pain rather than stopping disease progression. And that's actually, I'll jump into an interesting piece. This article that I was using and reviewing for some of this information was done in late 2018. Since then, there have been three biologics that have been approved for use in non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. The newest one, just approved last week, I think it was last week, was Cosentix. And that's now joining Simsia and Taltz as the three biologics that are available to be used to treat non-radiographic spondyloarthritis with the Cosentix and the Taltz just coming on in June of 2020. So, I mean, just like now. So that gives three biologic opportunities. And that's one thing if you are talking with folks, you have to remember telling them to go out and ask their doctor for Humira or uh, Embril or some of these others. Those may not be approved for non-radiographic. So I would encourage you to really try to focus in if you're not getting that AS diagnosis because the doctor keeps saying your x-rays are negative, work with them to start looking at non-radiographic. If the NSAIDs don't work, 
the American College of Rheumatology recommends using TNF inhibitors, um, which are a biologic drug that I mentioned earlier. And then, you know, some biologics are approved for treating ankylosing spondylitis, but because they haven't been approved yet for non-radiographic, it can be tricky to get insurance companies to cover the treatment if you are dead set on trying something that is not approved yet. But as I said, there's three that are now approved, so that's a great start. So then, again, other types of arthritis under the spondyl arthritis umbrella, like psoriatic arthritis and inflammatory bowel disease arthritis can be treated with biologics. So some doctors will maybe write up their work as that's the primary thing they're trying to treat, hoping that this non-radiographic responds as well. So that's certainly an option that's out there. Overall, if you're not getting the diagnosis and you keep going at the doctor saying, I've got AS, I've got AS, change the thought process in your mind and start looking at non-radiographic as a possibility. Even if you have family members with AS, they might have already progressed through that non-radiographic to the AS. You may just be at the beginning stages of it, or you may never make it all the way to a full-blown AS. Unfortunately, you get to deal with all the fun stuff, the pain, everything that goes along with it, only under the term non-radiographic. So I hope that is helpful for folks. I really appreciate you listening to the show. This one is a little longer, but a lot of good information here I wanted to get out to everybody. And you can find the links to the articles I referenced in the show notes, as well as shows on biologics and uveitis that discussed past episodes that I've done also linked in the show notes. And as always, again, I thank everybody for listening around the world. It's just amazing to see the downloads come in from around the world. And please go out to spondypodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. As those numbers grow, I've got a new one coming out here in another week or so. So anyway, everybody take care, have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you soon.